0: What I try to do is continue learning, and and it seems to me the origin of the modern running shoe is not based on science.
1: Diz Runs Radio, episode 778, starts in three, two. Welcome back to Diz Runs Radio, where I talk with runners from all corners of the running world about running, life- and everything in between i'm your host denny cray and it's just about time to head out the door for an easy run and a great conversation so if you're ready then i'm ready let's get started Hey guys, uh, real quick before we dive into today's episode, just want to either remind you or let you know for the first time if you're still kind of new to the new to the show, new to uh, hearing me talk about the different things and options that I have available. Um, I do a giveaway each and every month for a free custom training plan. Now, it, this is not some half-baked, half-cooked uh, one size fits all type of thing. Y'all know where I stand on the one size fits all thing. And if, if you don't stick around, cause I'll, I'll be talking about it till, uh, till the day they pull the plug on Diz Runs radio that, uh, I, I don't believe in, in one size fits all training plans. But, um, at the end of each month I pick a new winner and whoever, whoever gets picked gets, gets the same level of a training plan as the folks who pay for them. So it's, 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 as good as, as good as I offer, I guess, you know, you can be the judge on whether it's good or not, but uh, it's not like you, you have to worry about you're getting some kind of half-baked, something that's, uh, you know, I'm going to try to upsell you to get to the real real level or whatever. You're just getting the real level, and you're getting it completely for free. And you can use it whenever you want to. You can, you can cash it in a week from now, a month from now, a year from now, whenever you have a race that you would like to work with me with, or help that you would like for me to work with you, during your training process to get to that race, um, you just let me know. Give me a couple weeks in advance, and we'll get it set up. And it's, it's it is you know a full sixteen week plan. So we got to obviously have our ducks in a row um, a few months before the race. But uh, if you want to get yourself entered, all you got to do is it's it's a free giveaway. All you got to do is enter your email address at disruns.com slash giveaway. Or if you head over to the homepage disruns.com, com, you can click the button right there that says "Click Here to Enter," and it pops up right in front of you on your screen. You click yourself, you're into there. Yes, it puts you on my email list. Yes, you'll get some emails from me. No, they're not just the same spammy newsletter emails that you get from everywhere else that you've ever entered your email address in for something. Um, hopefully, give it a few a few times into your inbox, you'll see that there is some some time and effort that goes into writing the emails. They, they tend to be more like blog posts, I think, or at least that, that's the goal—to be more like blog posts than newslettery type of spammy email things. So you know, give it give it a, give it a shake, and uh, of course, if you don't like it, you can always unsubscribe. But that does take you out of the giveaway, so there is that. But uh, if you want to get yourself entered, disruns.com slash giveaway for your chance to work with me for free. I don't know. Maybe that's maybe that's a winner. Maybe that's a loser. I, I don't know. Again, you can be the judge on that. But uh, check it out, disruns.com slash giveaway. And now let's go ahead and dive in to today's episode of the show. Hey guys, uh, I'm not exactly sure where to start when it comes to introducing today's guest. Uh, She just recently, as of this recording, finished her third time running the Leadville 100 miler, so obviously uh, she's got that, that kind of running stuff going for her. She's also uh, competed in the Spartan World Championships for the past several years, so clearly she's also no slouch when it comes to doing OCRs and crazy stuff like that. Uh, she's also a physical therapist, so there's a good chance that I'll be able to uh, you know, scratch my itch a little bit and dive into some kind of injury, recovery, preventative type of, of those types of things at some point today as well. So uh, needless to say, I, I don't have any issues or I don't foresee any issues of finding enough things to talk about to fill, uh, fill the time today. So I'll just go ahead and introduce uh, my fellow Ultra Red Team m- member, uh, Ms. Samantha Wood, to the show. Uh, thanks for joining us today, Samantha, and, and uh, welcome. Hey, Denny. Uh, glad to be here. Yeah, definitely looking forward to it. And guys, if you want to follow along with, with some of Samantha's exploits and things that she's got going on and races and photos and all of, all of the things on Instagram is, is probably the place. Uh, the handle there is at woodultra. Pretty simple, straightforward. W o o d u l t r a at wood ultra on Instagram, uh, and as per usual, I have everything linked up in the show notes today. You can get to the show notes for this episode by uh, just pointing your browser over to disruns.com slash seven seven eight, and it'll take us right there. You know, all all of the things, the the notes, the uh, the links, the the photos, all of the things slash 778 for today's episode so Samantha the way we, the way that we always start things off on uh, on the show gets uh, gets the conversation going it's usually just a fun place to kind of kick things off and see where it takes us uh, it's with a very simple question that uh, for some folks it's an easy one to, to handle some people it's uh, a little bit more difficult because there's a lot of, of good choices for potential answers but uh, it's just to simply ask what is your favorite distance to race and why
0: oh very good question um So I've done four 100 milers and every time I'm running 100 miles, I think I'd much rather be running 50 miles. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, I like 50 miles because it's very runnable and raceable. Um, and in a hundred, at least so far for me, there usually comes a time when running is extremely difficult. Mm. So, uh, I'm going to go with a 50.
1: I, I love talking to, uh, to those of you that, that run these long distance races and, and you know, some of the things that, that, you know, and it's all, it's all relative, right? It's all, it's all from your own perspective, but it's like the idea of uh oh, 50 miles, like that's totally runnable, but a hundred miles, that's just, <laughs> that's just too much. And, and I'm sitting here going like 26.2 is like just at the, it, kind of at the cusp of runnable for me right now. And, and you know, 50 K like that's, that's, Ooh, that's that's taking it to the next level so it, it you know it's just always that that perspective shift of you know 50 miles like that's that's not that big of a deal but 100 oh 100 miles that's that's crazy but it's it's all crazy to me
0: it yes and then of course you know when you're looking at your speed and your effort uh to me that 50 mile pace is a little bit more all-day pace uh so in my mind you know okay i can run that all-day pace for for a while so yeah
1: right yeah. And that's, and that's, you know, as I, as I've said dozens of times, that's, that's the beauty of our sport is that there's so many different options and there's so many different, um, you know, distances and paces and, and obviously places and, and all of, all of the different choices that we have as, as runners, um, which makes, makes the sport so beautiful. But, uh, how did you get into the sports, man? How did you, uh, you, has running been part of your life pretty much for forever? Is it something that's come about more recently or how did you uh, find your way into this, uh, this crazy world that we all know and love?
0: Uh, so it's, it's actually, it's a kind of a funny story because in middle school, uh, and my, I grew up in South Texas and we didn't have a cross country team. We had a track team. And so I'd never even heard of cross country, but around seventh and eighth grade, I just, I just played basketball and I always thought that running track was kind of dumb because I thought like, well, you just run in a circle. Like I do not want to do that. This sounds silly. Um, But my basketball coaches kept telling me I should run track because apparently I was not that good at basketball. (laughs) And so they're like, Sam, you should really run track because you never get tired out on the basketball court. Um, so along came my freshman year of high school and, uh, the high school did have a cross country team. One of my friends introduced me, um, to cross country and that sounded more appealing. You know, the description was, oh, you just, you just run two miles outdoors, you know, you're in fields in the woods. And I thought, well, that sounds really nice. Like that makes sense. So, uh, that's how I got started and it took me about a full season to start to enjoy it because it's. If you can imagine August, September, um, <laughs> in South Texas, it's like easily a hundred degrees during your practices. So, uh, once I realized that I was pretty good at it and maybe I could go to college and, you know, do some of those things, I got a lot, a lot more serious about it. So I've been running since I was 14, wow um, and ran ran through college, and uh, after that, joined the military uh, to go to physical therapy school. And then I found out that they had running teams as well. So I just kind of kept finding new goals along the way. Never really stopped competing.
1: Yeah, well, and and clearly still still competing now at, at the various, you know, at, at obviously you know, the Spartan scene, and and uh, um, you know, pushing yourself pretty good at some of the the hundred milers and the, and the long ultras as well. Um, you know, going back to to you know, coming up through, through, you know, school and into college. Um, what? Uh, well, I, I don't know if that's the right lead in, but whatever. It's, it's the lead in that we're going to go down. Um, <laughs> you know, we're just, we're just going to flow with it. Um, you know, running, running even cross country in, in high school and college, it's, it's, you know, quote unquote, short ish distance type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, when, when did you get bit by the, the running really far bug? When, when did that come about?
0: I think probably my first thought about doing a marathon, I was still in college, um, you know, racing like really no more than the 5k distance and then shorter. Uh, But we had an assistant coach that was, I could get this wrong, but I think he was around a 220 marathoner, um, maybe a little faster. And I was just really kind of impressed with that distance. And so I said, well, when I, when I finish college, then, you know, I'm going to train for my first marathon. Cause I don't have a coach sort of telling me that these are a little bit too far apart, you know, in terms of training. So I did, I want to say, so Houston, the Houston marathon was my first marathon. Um, and that was seven, eight months or so after I graduated. Um, and I qualified for Boston in that race. And so, this was in 2008 and you could just you qualify and sort of sign up. It wasn't overly difficult. <clears throat> so I did Boston that same year that would have been in two, yeah, in 2008. Um, and I was like, this is easy. I was like 22 <laughs> or something. And so nothing ever hurt. And I was like, oh, this is easy. I'll just keep going. And I think I did a 50 K already in 2008 as well, just because I, in my mind, I thought it was easy. And eventually it, Eventually, it wasn't so easy. I want to say when I turned 25, I started to feel my body, uh-huh. <laughs> so I was like, "Oh, I got to actually, you know, train properly as opposed to just kind of going and doing things."
1: So yeah. Well, that's that's an interesting thing to say. So, so at that point, I mean, you were like obviously you had, I'm gonna, well maybe not obviously I'm going to assume you had somewhat structured training through through high school running, running for the, the, you know, running on the team there. Um, but once, once you got out and you started dabbling in these longer races, it was, it was kind of just willy nilly for you.
0: Well, I had, um, a general idea uh, in high school and college, it was extremely structured. Mm-hmm. So and I understood speed work and how to layer in your long runs and things like that. Um, but I was never, I, and I've always been this type of runner, even when the coach would write workouts for us. Um, I've always been the type of runner that I wanted to listen to my body, um, above anything else that someone was trying to tell me. So for better or worse, that's, that's how I've always trained. And so I would lay out kind of a gist, you know, I'm going to do my 20 mile runs and I'll, I'll get some sort of speed work, but the speed work is very lax. Maybe I'll go do a fart lick, you know, maybe I'll hit the track, kind of whatever I feel that day. Um, But basically, I think my biggest issue was, you know, sometimes life happens and maybe you have a few weeks where your mileage is is lower. And then and, you know, I wouldn't really ease back into things. I would just kind of go straight up to the highest level. It was more according to the time that I had to train versus, you know, what did I do in the weeks preceding that time? And so sometimes I would overdo it. And that, uh, again, that worked fine. Um, except some point, you know, your body starts to change a little bit and it says, you know, you need to be a little more consistent, especially with your mileage.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not the end of the world to, to have a, you know, a little bit of time downtime. Like you said, life, life happens. It happens to, to all of us, but yeah, if, if you have a few weeks that are, that are less than, than ideal from a training perspective, it's probably not the best idea to just go diving right back into the deep end and not and kind of shocking your, your system a little bit, especially, you know, all of us keep getting older. And, you know, as that, as that happens, uh, you know, you need to, you need to ease into the water just a little bit.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. And, in my first year of marathoning, I think I did, I did three hard marathons in four months and then yeah. a 50 K and then a marathon at the end of the year. And I, I really didn't even have an acre of pain. So I was still young enough. I, I Honestly, I just didn't understand. I couldn't feel it in my body yet, and right. so I think that's that's where that came from.
1: So you know, you you, you get into it. You're, you're going. You know, I guess maybe my, my choice of words earlier completely willy nilly wasn't quite accurate, but um, you know, kind of kind of you know figuring it out as you go, uh, which is something that obviously a lot of us uh, have have probably done at various points in our in our running career. When did when did you kind of you know shift to to the really long? I mean, was that was that just a continual progression for you or, or, you know, obviously, you know, I feel like 50 K is still pretty long, but I mean, going into the 50 milers, going into the the hundred milers, um, did that take a while to, to warm up to that idea? Or is that like, as soon as you heard about it, like, yes, this is something I want to do. Uh,
0: I think I always knew that I would continue to push it just in my mind, that's sort of just a natural, uh, evolution. Um, so, 2008 would have been my first 50 K. I did a couple of those. And then in 2010, I was in physical therapy school in the army. I was very, very busy. There was a, there was the, uh, relatively local Rocky raccoon 50 miler. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I decided a few weeks ahead of time that I would sign up for that. And I had a great race, but my training was a little lower on the mileage. And I ran I, d- I ran the 50 mile race, almost like I would run the 50 K. I mean, I just, the pace was much faster, um, than I would probably go now. Um, and so I, I ended up, I finished and I felt fine. A few days later, I kind of realized that I had injured myself and that put me on like a three month layoff from running. Um, and this was what I was, so I would have been 25 years old. So that's why I keep mentioning 25 mm-hmm. because I hit this point where I said, Oh, I need to, really think about how it is that I'm preparing for these events and then how hard I'm running based on my fitness, you know, so if my training hasn't gone well, I really should not go out and, and go as hard as I can. Um, so, uh, but I, I wanted to keep doing ultras. Um, but I ended up doing a lot of road marathons after that. Just, I was, uh, a little more comfortable with that training for the amount of time that I had in physical therapy school. And then, um, once I finished school, there were a lot of interruptions to my training I deployed and then I came back and I had a, just a, you know, a long, uh, a, a job with really long days. Um, so I kind of stuck with the marathon distance for a while until 2000, it would have been 2016 was my first hundred mile race.
1: Gotcha. Um, going back to that, that injury at, uh, at 25, I, I, my, uh, background is in athletic training, sports medicine. So it's, it, you know, like I said, in the beginning there, I scratching my itch on running injury stuff. Like that's, that's, it's always, it always, uh, it, it, I don't know if it excites me This maybe that's not quite the right way to put it, but it's, <laughs> it, it piques my interest. What, what, what was that uh, injury? If you don't mind going down that route a little bit.
0: Uh, so uh, the official diagnosis was osteitis pubis, um, and, You've probably heard of that I don't know how many <laughs> right. uh, listeners have heard of that. Um, it's kind of a bone injury uh, in the pelvis where your adductor muscles or your inner thigh muscles attach to the pelvis um, and you can you can have a bony injury there mm-hmm. so sort of like a stress reaction or a stress fracture even if it's bad enough um, so i just I just had some swelling in the bone. Um, it felt like a fracture uh, in terms of symptoms, but it, it wasn't it wasn't a bone fracture. Right. Um, and it took me a long time to realize because I, I'd had really good coaches. I thought in, in, in high school and college, but, in, and they were, but no one ever really coached me on my running form. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I had been wearing stability trainers and overstriding, and I, you know, that's going to be okay up to a certain point. And so I think if you're, If you're heavier, if you're older, if you're running faster and longer, eventually that bad technique, you know, will catch up with you. It's like lifting 10 pounds with bad form or lifting 300 pounds with bad form. So I had sort of progressed my running to the point where that overstriding was no longer serving me. But it took me way too long. I was a physical therapy student at the time um, to figure out that that was an issue. And I just want to say, you know, a lot has changed. I, I finished school in 2011. And they were still teaching, uh, you know, two doctoral uh, students. Um this paradigm of if you have a flat foot, you need to wear a motion control shoe. And if you have a, you know, a, a normal arch, so to speak, you need a stability shoe and a high arch needs a, it needs a neutral shoe. So I was being taught these things and uh, it just wasn't working for me. So I kind of struggled with figuring out how to correct my running um, for a few years until I eventually landed on um, some barefoot running, some sandal running and then and then wearing ultras.
1: I would, I would love to. I think we were gonna. I was gonna try to get us to this point uh, about it eventually, anyway. But since we're since we're here right now, um, how, how did you? And, and maybe it's kind of hard to tell in, in the rear view, I don't know, but how did you figure out that that the the shoe that you were in, for lack of a better way to put it, wasn't the right shoe because like you said at that time and i mean shoot i still see this now and it kind of makes me want to pull my hair out sometimes um i mean literally like i saw this a, a couple weeks ago and and uh from from a, a running coach um that was saying like yeah if you have you know only if you have a really high arch should you wear neutral shoes otherwise you probably you know, most runners need to be in a in a stability shoe with with being in school hearing from the 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 experts and that and that was kind of where the i guess where the science was at that point how did you realize that? Wait a minute, no, this this isn't. Uh, you know, I don't need a stability shoe for for my for having a quote unquote fairly normal arch at this point.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was a long and painful evolution, yeah, <laughs> in a sense. In two thousand seven, I had actually purchased a pair of Vibram Five Fingers, and I wasn't running in them, but I was wearing them. Um, just day to day as much as I could, um, because I'd, I think i 'd seen an advertisement and it kind of made sense to me. I was sort of like I, I really would like stronger feet i 'm a runner you know but i I had made some unsuccessful attempts at transitioning to uh, less of a shoe, but i didn 't know why it was unsuccessful. Um, I thought maybe there was something wrong with me um, if you, we look at the research now, it really shows that it's difficult to change motor patterns mm. unless you really take away the shoe. It's almost a minimalist shoe. If folks are used to running in a, th- a thicker cushioned shoe with support and they put a minimalist shoe on a uh, chances of them automatically correcting their technique, um, or getting it correct enough. Um, they're probably still going to be pounding. They're probably still going to be overstriding cause they, they can't feel what they're doing. So I'd had it in my head that what I was doing was not the best, Um, but actually changing it, I had tried to use shoes to change it and for my body. And, and I think the research again is, is kind of alluding to why this has happened. It just wasn't working. So, um, off on a bit of a tangent in, uh, during this time I was active duty military. So I was in boots every day. Mm -hmm. And at some point I developed just a nasty case of plantar fascia pain, um, along with some chronic hip pain. Ever since I had my osteitis pubis pain, my right Mm -hmm. hip had been a problem. So, uh, I had slipped one day on ice as I was leaving, uh, work at the hospital and I hit my head and this led me to need really for a few weeks, sort of light duty at work. So for the most part, I was at home recovering from a pretty gnarly concussion Mm -hmm. and I had never spent in, you know, I think at this time I'd been, I'd been active duty for six or seven years. I'd never spent that much time barefoot. Right. Um, but I was just hanging out at the house and, uh, I noticed my foot started to feel better. My, my hip didn't hurt nearly as much. And then I thought to myself, okay, well, you know, I haven't run in a, in a long period of time. I was, I was still recovering from my latest injury and it had been five months since I ran. Mm. So for someone who loves to run every day, right. five months, is like,
1: Might as well be five years at that point.
0: I started started taking swim lessons and all sorts of things because I was going crazy. Mm -hmm. And I hate to swim. (laughs) So (laughs) I was like, I got to do something. But um, I basically, at that point, started doing even more research. You know, I hit Irene Davis's work, Daniel Lieberman. I started reading stuff from Michael Sandler. I bought his book called Barefoot Running. And I went through this very slow process of rehabbing my feet over the course of a few months. But here's what happened. I went from not being able to walk without pain to within three months, I could run barefoot on the road on a hard surface, three to five miles, zero pain in my body, zero pain. And I hadn't run a day without some sort of pain in like five years. Mm -hmm. It was insane for me. It was insane. So I became very intrigued by this. And um, I picked up sandals once my technique had basically become automatic, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. So once I had done enough barefoot training, I was like, okay, I am not overstriding anymore. Right. Now I'm going to put sandals on cause I live in Colorado and, uh, I did the Pikes Peak marathon that year in sandals and wow. I felt great.
1: Wow. It's, it's, it's crazy to me, even with, with having some I like to think at least halfway decent understanding of biomechanics and kinesiology and things like that. Um, just how how much of a difference it, it makes with being in the right shoes, you know. I mean, it, it, it or in your case, maybe being without shoes for a while and letting your your feet do what what they were designed to do. Um, but it, I and I I hate to keep banging on the same drum, but I, I feel like again kind of going back to to where you were where the, where some of the the more quote unquote accepted science and accepted research was at the time and 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 being in that idea that you know a, sh- a shoe has to have a thick heel to protect your foot and potentially having stability you know having a a stability platform to to protect the arch or, or to keep your foot landing the right way it's supposed to quote unquote supposed to of course um w- when you when you realize that this was working for you were you were you quick to to almost like i don't know if recommended to other folk but but like was it kind of like or was your thought process something along the lines of like yes this is what what we what we know is wrong or was because i feel like for me it have been like well maybe this works for me but maybe i'm just kind of a fluke maybe this is just you know something that's just for me and not something that maybe as an, as a shoe industry, as a running industry is, is kind of wrong. Um, I don't know if I have, if I'm making sense of my question right there, but was there any of that kind of pull and pull or push and pull for you? Or was it, were you pretty much convinced when you saw how it impacted you?
0: Uh, well, I think as a physical therapist, it is, there's a lot of push and pull, uh, because the folks that walk in the clinic, uh, everyone is so different and Mm. their goals are very different. um, but I think a lot of it was just what I try to do is continue learning, and it's, and it seems to me the origin of the modern running shoe is not based on science. Mm. When you actually go back and you look at why they added the heel, why they added the motion control, um, I felt so I, I felt very uh, justified in saying, you know, hey, if I look at your your feet, your ankles, and I can see that you clearly have." no major deformity. You have enough mobility in your joints to move and so forth. Um, Then we need need to develop uh, your foot function, you know, and there's no other part of the body that we cast permanently unless someone has, you know, a severe injury, severe deformity. It's not like a default to cast your knee or to wear a knee brace when you run Mm -hmm. um, or any other type of brace. So in terms of being justified on on the direction, um, absolutely. There's, it just makes, it it makes no sense. It makes no sense what we're doing with shoes. It makes no sense to narrow the toe box. Mm -hmm. Um, and I could go on and on about the, the qualities of most shoes. Um, but to apply it to each person, especially as a clinician, uh, it does take a little bit of finesse and, and, and not even not even, you know, I'm I'm not even one to tell people you need a transition shoe mm-hmm. if they're wearing something really unhealthy for their foot. They need a transition plan, but they don't necessarily need a transition shoe. And so I'm constantly refining how I improve my own running, but also how I how I help folks that do come to me with problems Um So it's really difficult to give a blanket statement, but I, but I, that's what I mainly look for. I need to make sure that folks are moving well before I tell them, okay, this is what you need to do because I, I might be setting them up for failure. If I just say, Hey, this is the one plan for everyone.
1: Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm a big, uh, proponent or maybe anti-proponent I don't know or what, what, what would be an anti-proponent what, whatever I'm a, I'm a big believer in the idea of, of there is no such thing as one size fits all um which you know I put that out there and then I'm going to ask this question that's basically kind of asking for a one size fits all type of answer so you know I apologize for that in advance cool man. um but but recognize you know in, in all seriousness recognizing that you can't just give one set of guidelines for and it's going to cover a, a dozen people let alone every everybody um but if if somebody is is you know, like you said, a transition plan. I, I love that idea um, of of trying to transition out of, of a shoe that maybe maybe you know if you're, you know, for the p- people listening, you're checking the boxes, going, well, maybe it is my shoe. Maybe I need to try something different um, and and try you know whether it's an ultra or or whatever. You know, it, obviously we're both we're both fans of, of ultra and what the the shoes have done for us. Um, but you know, switching to something that's lower profile, something that's that's not a stability shoe, that's a neutral shoe. Um, what are some guidelines or some suggestions that should be part of again assuming that that there's no mobility issues that that foot function is 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 good what are some of the the steps or the 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 pieces that people would would be wise to include in their process or in their plan of transitioning out of uh, a more cast like shoe into something that that works a little bit more mm-hmm. with our feet
0: You know, I like, uh, there's a saying, and I'm not sure if it's just in the military, but the saying is slow, is smooth and smooth is fast. Mm -hmm. Um, and I use this a lot in rehab because people innately, they, they often, they just assume that more is better. Mm -hmm. Um, so I try to coach people that more is more and better is better. So, you know, assuming that someone has no major mobility restrictions, um, there's kind of two things I like to do simultaneously. Um, one involves some basic foot exercises and I'm kind of always tinkering with those and changing those lately. I've been using a single single leg balance exercise where basically someone is, um, their foot is sort of in neutral. They're pressing their toes down very hard. They're in a slight, very slight squat. And so they're kind of working their arch and glute together. It's very, um, it's kind of a functional activation in terms of, if you think about running, you're just jumping from one leg to another. So they're basically kind of cueing their body. This is how you stabilize a leg. This is how you stabilize a leg and repeat. Um, so having some sort of, uh, you know, the thing about foot exercises, a lot of it is just connecting the, the brain back with the foot. So improving the brain map of the foot. Um, and, and I, so I like something for that. And then the second part of it in terms of transitioning, um, I want people to be in a healthy shoe. So I, I really do recommend ultras to a lot of folks if they're going to be running, but uh, I like for people to barefoot walk find a smooth, clean, hard surface, start with, you know, carry your shoes in your hand or, or some sandals or something. Go out for three minutes. I mean, depending on how weak your feet are, they might get tired after three minutes of walking barefoot or five minutes or 10 minutes. Start, um, with something that there should be never be any pain. You're just walking till your feet feel a little tired, put your shoes back on, go home. And I, and I got this from Michael Sandler and, and it worked beautifully. I did. I never hit a point at which I overdid it. Um, so slow is smooth, as smooth, is fast. Mm-hmm. And at some point after about a month of walking, um, four to six weeks, give your body some time to adapt, you can throw in very, very, very yeah, – we call it slow jogging. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's really nice and easy. Your feet will tell you. But you're just adding in – I mean, literally no more than like 50 yards of barefoot jogging the first day. You take a day off, you come back the next day. Maybe you add in 100 yards of barefoot jogging, Mm -hmm. going up 50 yards every time. So the chances of you overdoing it um, is very low because our muscles need time to adapt. But a lot of folks don't understand that tendons, ligaments and the fascia and the connective tissue, it's a a slow adaptation. And you really... You really have to respect that it can take months for those things to to take uh, on the uh, load bearing capabilities mm-hmm. when they haven't been doing it for so long. You've been in a cast, so you have to be very intelligent about it.
1: Yeah, the, as, as, I'm, as as I was listening to that uh, answer, I, I thought about the cast metaphor again and how you know if if you put you know if if somebody f- fractured an arm and they, they had their arm in a cast for a while. Um, you wouldn't come out of the cast expecting that you'd have, I mean, just logically you wouldn't come out of the casting and you could do everything that you were doing beforehand as far as strength and mobility and things like that. You'd have to work back into it because your, your joints and muscles haven't worked for whatever it is, six weeks, eight weeks, whatever, whatever the duration is. And if we're thinking about some of these, these tighter, more restrictive shoes that I know I certainly was wearing, um, you know, a, six, eight years ago, something like that before I I found, uh, before I was having issues too. And and kind of was figuring out, trying to figure out what I needed to do to, to avoid having shin splints anytime that I would run more than, you know, a half an hour. Um, the idea of, of reminding ourselves that, Hey, like our feet have maybe been in a cast for a decade, two decades, three decades, you know, depending on, on where you are and how long you've been, uh, you know, wearing tight, tight ish shoes. Um, Yeah like take it slow and progress slowly because um you know we're talking about little muscles little little uh bones and and tendons and ligaments in in your feet and you overdo those too much you know that there's not a lot of room for error i guess what i'm trying to say if you if you go in too quickly going from a, a real tight restrictive shoe to barefoot like that's that's you know slow slow is is smooth i like that idea for sure
0: yes and that that point literally cannot be Excuse me, said enough, because that that's the number one issue that people have. Um, the other the other thing I usually recommend, even though we in this scenario have said that people have um, normal mobility in their foot and ankle um, is I, I tend to recommend people if their foot doesn't look like a baby's foot, meaning the toes aren't able to spread nice and wide, um, just like a baby's foot. Um, if you don't know what a baby's foot looks like, just Google it. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um but that that's how our feet should uh, look because our toes need to be in line with the metatarsal bones. Uh, mm-hmm. They shouldn't be turned in or, or flared up or hammered. You know, they probably are at this point. Um, but I recommend toe spacers to a lot of people. You know, start with like 10 minutes a day. Wear them for right. 10 minutes a day. Some people will try to wear them all day and their feet will yell at them. Um, but you're basically trying to – this is like the only – it's not the only orthotic I ever recommend, but it's sort of like an orthotic type device where you're mm-hmm. spreading your toes and you're starting to, uh, uh, re, uh, excuse me, regain your normal alignment. And the reason why that's important, if, if you think about, um, there are a lot of good examples, uh, maybe some listeners, listeners have done yoga before, but if you were doing a downward dog in yoga and you put your fingers together and you narrowed your hands, you know, you're going to lose the arch in your hand. Mm-hmm. You're going to have less stability. The one thing they always tell you in yoga is to spread your fingers wide, as right. so wide as you can, and press down. Well, why is that? Because now you have stability. So in order for your arch to work properly and on the muscles and everything to be in good alignment you have to have those toes spread and some people, their feet are just too tight over time. So I like to use that as a way. um, And sometimes that just gets rid of people's foot pain, just kind of regaining a little bit of alignment. Now their muscles are working and now they're like, you know, I've been wearing these orthotics for 10 years or for two years and I've spent this much amount of money and I don't need that anymore. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it makes me want to cry a little bit, but it's, it's a common, it's a common issue.
1: Well, yeah. And it's, and you know, it, it can go back to something as as simple as you're just trying to get the the quick fix. So it's, it's, you start with a stability shoe and then that works for a while and then it doesn't. So then it's like, well, what can we do to brace even more? You know? And, and so now you get an orthotic or you get some type of insert and, and yeah. And then once you you undo it and kind of go back to letting our bodies function and letting the, the, you know, our feet do what they're, what they've been designed to do for, you know, whatever your belief system is thousands or millennia's um, you know, like, like they, they work if we if we let them, and, and of course, you know, obviously with the asterisk that again, this is not universal, universally true. Some people do need a little bit of of extra support, but for the most part, yeah, that like you know, getting letting our feet work is is what has to happen.
0: Yeah, and I and I often remind people too that in in most things in life, you know, they can they can understand that there are different tools for different jobs. Mm-hmm. So there are times when I prefer to be barefoot. Um for me, it helps kind of retrain that perfect gait because I have no protection. And so okay. I might go out for three miles barefoot. There are times when um like at Leadville last weekend, I started out in the King, um, the Ultra King MT, and it's a it's a great trail shoe. It's a little bit thin.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I'd done something to my calf a few weeks before. So my heel was bothering me a little bit. And so in that moment, the more appropriate thing was to actually add some cushioning. So I put on the Lone Peak Mm -hmm. and I ran the rest of the race with the Lone Peak. Um, You know, sometimes people just want to have sort of one answer and it depends. I'll tell you the one study that I'm aware of that says orthotics are helpful um, for a healthy person is in – military. So like in, in soldiers who Mm. are ruck marching with a lot of weight on their back. Right. And so there, if you think about that, this is, this is going above and beyond what your body uh, is used to doing, probably trained to do. And so there might be times when you say, you know what, for this one race or for this one event, I'm going to put on a little extra protection Mm -hmm. or I'm going to have a little extra support, but I'm not going to live my entire life that way. I'm also going to come out of that and strengthen my body and, uh, and work on some of these skills, like proper running technique. Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, that's, that's a a great point. And and, uh, yeah, I mean, I I don't even need to to color it. That's, that's a a great, a great thing to keep in mind. Talking about running technique and and how, you know, if, if, you know, if we can improve that, then odds are that it's going to reduce a lot of the stress and strain on, on various points of our body, various weak links that tend to crop up and tend to be kind of those, those common sites of injury. Um, and you know, going back to the idea of running barefoot once in a while, starting very slow and and building up as, as you go, um, for somebody who's thinking about like, for me, I'll just throw myself under the bus on this one. I've been, kind of telling myself that i should do just a little something just you know a couple times a week maybe in front of in front of the house you know like like you said 50 yards down 50 yards back something something real simple i, I you know knock on i don't really feel like i need to even knock on wood i don't really have any foot <laughs> i don't really have any foot issues i don't have any you know and and you know the blessing and the curse of being an athletic trainer or being in sports medicine type of line of fields like if i feel something that's a little bit off like i'm usually pretty quick at addressing it and knowing kind of how to, to alleviate it, but you know, things are feeling right. mostly good. Um, and I've been like literally for months, probably for a year or more telling myself I should get out and just do a little something barefoot. I, I walk the dog barefoot sometimes. Um, okay. I mean, I live in Florida, so I live my life. If I'm not wearing running shoes, like I live, I, I wear sandals. So I, I'm mm-hmm. almost, almost barefoot most of the time. Anyway, but, but really like legitimately getting out there going, going barefoot. Um, I guess two questions on this one. A, what, 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 what should I do? Or what, you know, from your perspective, your experience, your expertise, what should I do as far as, 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 um, you know, to make sure I don't, don't do too much too quickly. Um, And two, why should I, you know, all things considered being fairly, mostly healthy from a foot, ankle, lower leg perspective, why should I incorporate a little bit of, or at least why should I really seriously consider or why should I definitely incorporate maybe a little bit of barefoot uh, running jogging on occasion into my life?
0: Well, I think the why, um, I don't know how well this will satisfy your hunger here. (laughs) Okay. Um, But I do think of building resiliency in the feet and lower legs. Um, When you're doing things barefoot, uh, I, I can tell you as someone who's Trying to think the furthest I've run barefoot, probably seven or eight miles on a hard surface. And, and that's more of a time thing. So mm-hmm. what, what that does is it, 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 it's completely different than running an shoe. So, and, and no one can really tell you, you have to feel it, but when you're running barefoot on a hard surface, uh, well, obviously you're not wearing a shoe. So it feels very light, mm-hmm. but it also feels very springy and springy in a way that, I know when I'm running, I can't do anything but smile. I look ridiculous because I'm (laughs) thinking to myself, how long have we been sold the idea that, you know, I mean, there's all this quote technology coming mm-hmm. out in shoes and these insoles that spring and so forth. But I guarantee you, there's nothing that feels more springy than my own foot once it's trained to do mm-hmm. so. Um, it's, it's, it's an amazing feeling. So if nothing else for the pure joy of feeling your body. Um, and I, and I also, you know, I kind of want to go back to the brain map of the feet. Um, when you, uh, maybe not you in particular, but when most people spend all their time with their foot stuffed in a shoe, um, your brain loses some of its perception of the foot. Mm-hmm. And I think in the long run, we're selling ourselves short with um, just our, our athletic performance, but also just how we move. Mm-hmm. And that may be how we walk even. Um, so I noticed the way that I walk e- even changed quite a bit, not just the way I ran once I was going completely barefoot for a while. Um, And this sounds a little wacky. This might sound a little wacky to people, but if they think about their hand, especially their dominant hand and how skilled they are at using their dominant hand versus, you know, their non-dominant hand. Well, once you start using your feet more, especially being barefoot and feeling different surfaces and your foot can bend and flex and move, Mm -hmm. your feet start to feel more like your hands. Okay. And, and uh, just in terms of the sensation, right. in terms of the perception. Um, so there's just a lot of, I, I think of mastery of my body and being in my body and, you know, we've got a limited time on the earth. So there's, I do think there are athletic and performance advantages. I do think there are injury prevention advantages by strengthening the, the tendons and the ligaments and improving the bone density in your feet, for example. You know, if you're out on the trail running in your shoes and you twist um, your ankle or twist your foot, you know What's to say that tendon's going to pop or not pop? Mm-hmm. So I, I, I do think there are huge benefits to training that. But on the other hand, um, there's also the entire nervous system that's connected to your feet. And I think most people in our society will never really experience that because – what what you have to do is you have to make a commitment. And I usually tell people every other day is a pretty good frequency. Um, eventually, you can do a little bit of barefooting every day if you're, mm-hmm. if you're built up for that. But I usually recommend every other day, starting with the walking, like we said, and if you're already walking, just go up by 50 yards every other day in terms of your jogging. Keep it really simple. I don't care how good you feel. Just stick to that program, and you're not going to hurt yourself doing that. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you do... I don't know what kind of disclaimer I need to give you here, <laughs> but, but it's, uh, you know, it's the mastery over one's body. That's something that no one can give you. It's earned mm-hmm. and, and exploring your movement. And I just, I always encourage people to do that. You have to take ownership over your movement. So I, I just think it's empowering. I think it's empowering to be able to do that.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. And I think that, um, you know, again, kind of, I, I always keep, kind of keep going back to the injury prevention standpoint, but it's like, if you're, if you're, if your feet are any part of your body, like you said, if you have mastery over your, your body, um, I don't know how many times that I've, you know, had a, an awkward step where it was like, you know, it was right on that precipice of, I'm going to roll the hell out of my ankle or I save it, you know? Um, mm-hmm. and, and yeah, I might still be a little bit sore the next day from the muscles firing to, to save it. But you know like. I can deal with a little bit sore versus blown up and swollen and, and all kinds of uh, sprained and, and potentially worse. And so I feel like maybe that's a little bit of part of that mastery too, where like your, your, your body. And, and like you said, the, the nerves, the, the mind map, the, the connection from your brain to, to the bottom of your feet um, and at all points in between, if you, if you have that mastery and things are are awake um are like, again, I mean, our bodies are, are, Impressive uh, machines, to say the least, and they can they can save us in a lot of situations if we have those those connections and those pathways and and you know you, you you wear a a shoe even an ultra you wear a shoe all the time, and that that connection is is minimized or dampened or it's not quite as strong as it could be so getting getting barefoot once in a while, maybe a bit more than once in a while um, is is probably a pretty good thing on on all fronts
0: yes and i and I will say as a as a not just as a physical therapist, because I think everyone can kind of relate to this, but you don't want to try to build something when you need it. You want to build it before, Mm -hmm. you know, you want to have an emergency fund before you actually have an emergency. Um, And and the same thing goes with, you know, aging and longevity and longevity and running. You want to have some muscle, you want to have some muscle mass on your body, you don't want to wait until you're, 65 and you've haven't been strength training for 20 years and you can't run anymore. Um, you know, you want to take care of these things, uh, so that they're not problems. You want to brush your teeth so you don't have to (laughs) have all your teeth pulled when you're 50. So really a lot of the barefoot training. Um, I, I completely understand folks when they say, well, it's not broke, so I'm not going to fix it. I understand where they're coming from, but they, they also need to understand the mindset of of, you know, where else do you do that in your life where you're like, I'm just going to wait till something bad happens.
1: I'm not going to change the oil in my car. I'm not going to back up my computer, like whatever, whatever it is. We, we, you know, we, we forget sometimes that we do prevention instead of cure in a lot of places, hopefully. Uh, but sometimes we don't take that for our own, our own advice as well. Exactly. So, like I said, I, I was planning on on getting to this, and, and it's kind of dominated things for for a little bit here, which is which is awesome. I, I could keep talking about it all day, but uh, for those that are starting to to drift off on this idea of of just running barefoot and and uh, taking care of your feet, which it's important. So go back and listen to it again if you haven't been paying attention. Go back and listen to this again, y'all. But um, shifting back to some of the the running stuff as we're getting close to wrapping up, we'll, we'll wrap up with the running stuff instead of wrapping up with the feet stuff, which you know that that all works out. Um, Leadville this year, you, you do it again, third time. Um, I mean I I don't I, I I have this like romantic view of like I think it would be really cool to do something like that. I have no real desire to train for a 100 miler right now. Um especially a, a, a race like Leadville, but um what's it what's it like to go back there for the third time, run the race? Um does does it get does, does that race specifically? Does it get easier? the more times you not, does it get easy, but does it get, do you feel like it gets a little bit easier the more times you do it? Or is it, is it always a beast or, I mean, obviously a hundred miles, is always a beast. So it's a ridiculous question, but you know what I'm saying? Like, like, is it, is it as difficult as it was the first time or, or how has, how has that race changed in the times that you've gone back from your perspective?
0: Uh, I think, you know, I, my first Leadville, I approached so differently than the other two. My first Leadville I was still running predominantly in sandals, and so I did the Leadville 100, the 2016 um, race, in a pair of sandals with the goal of of just finishing. It was my first 100. Um, And I, I tend to be fairly laid back, and I don't know if it's because I've been running for 20 years or maybe I just should care more, but I tend to be pretty laid back when it comes about, uh, to, uh, you know, just race logistics. So I'm like, okay, I've got some drop bags. I've got a a great crew. Uh, so I just, I just, there's a lot of things I don't stress about when I'm going into a run like that. I really try to focus on, um, I've always focused on just being in the moment and being, having immense gratitude for the ability to run. And that's basically where I'm running from, um, in all of these races. So I think what's changed is, after you, especially when you run the same course, you, you start to have an idea of a better idea of where you can push and how far you have left to go. You know, the course really well, you know, the Hills and how much energy it takes to get over, you know, hope past the first time versus the second time and so forth. So I think there's just less mental energy, um, as the third time rolled around this last year. Um, i'd I'd been working a lot the past six weeks, and so I was a little concerned about being sleep deprived and already tired going into the race. I called it my six month or six week taper which <laughs> 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 I didn't want it to be, but that's what it was. Um, but that would I think that would be the main difference. It's just the mental energy um and of course, once you run a race, you kind of have it in the back of your mind. You don't want to run slower than you did before. Right. So I think it does add an element of, um, depending on how you want to look at it, potential uh, potentially putting pressure on yourself to run it faster the next time.
1: Gotcha, gotcha. Um, yeah, it's it's just it's just crazy, and I, I know s- several folks um, that have have tried it and, and, you know, had to, had to take a DNF here and there and, and you keep trying to go back for, for more. And so you're, you're three for three. That's, that's pretty impressive, especially, um, you know, especially with this year coming at six, a six week taper. That's uh, yeah, that's, that's a bit, uh, a bit much, but it, 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 but it worked, <laughs> it worked. So you, you made it happen. Um, on, on the, uh, the Spartan side of things, what, what made you, where, where was the interest in doing some, some obstacle course racing?
0: So my, my first Spartan race was in 2015. So Spartan had been around for a while and I knew about it. Um, the I've been competing on uh, what's called the All-Army team uh, in various sports for several years. They've had a marathon team. I did orienteering in the military, cross country. And the coach for the marathon team had contacted me and said they were putting together an obstacle course racing team. And I just had to go to a Spartan race, uh, preferably a beast distance, which is usually around a half marathon. Mm -hmm. And I needed to uh, compete. And if I did well enough, they would let me on uh, the obstacle course racing team. So I was like, okay, well, you know, that sounds fun. It basically, you know, I could get on this team with my friends if I, if I go do a race. So I went to Ridge in 2000, June, 2015. And I had no, idea. I'd never run an obstacle course race in my life. I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> I didn't even know what the obstacles really were for the most part. Um, and they happened to have NBC was there filming, they had a big race at the sprint. So all the best, women in north america uh or or most of them were there at the sprint and then i had done the beast so i ended up winning that race Mm -hmm. and qualifying for the world championships that year in 2015 and so my second race i'm at the world championships Mm -hmm. with the army team i still don't know what i'm doing and uh i come in 12th 12th Mm -hmm. overall for the women and so from then on um I've I've done some competition with the army um and then Spartan kind of picked me up as a uh they have a pro roster and I've earned a lot of free races so um they sort of pick me up and they've they've been um I don't want to call it sponsoring but I haven't had to you know cover the cost of the races so I I've, I've been just continuing to do it uh, and see Basically, my goal has always been to go to the world championship every year and place as high as I can, but the best i 've placed was my first year, which was twelfth mm. now the worst i 've placed is twenty first so it 's not it 's not a huge gap i 'm right. pretty consistent and uh for some reason, I like to still do hundred mile races and then a few weeks later go try to <laughs> beat obstacle course racers <laughs> at their bread and butter but uh it's it 's just fun you know it's uh it's hey, i 'll tell you what I like about it is as an ultra runner, I and I'm in the, I'm still in the military. Um and I want to be a good role model as a physical therapist as a military officer. I want to be able to do pull-ups. I want to be able to do push-ups. Yeah. I want to be able to ruck and carry heavy weights. So by doing the obstacle course races, it kind of keeps me um a little more uh accountable for maintaining my overall strength mm-hmm. and and I think that's good health-wise, but I also think it's um you know, I just don't want to be, I don't want to be a dentist with bad teeth. You know, I want to have, have it together.
1: Which if, if, and thankfully we don't have to make this decisions, this is all hypothetical, (laughs) but if, if you had to pick one or the other, you, you couldn't do any more straight running ultra type events, or you couldn't do any more OCR Spartan type of events, um, which, which ones nearer and dearer to your heart that you would, that you would want to stick with and which one would you let go?
0: Uh sadly for my health I would I would stay with ultra running. Mm-hmm. I just love I love there's nothing more than I love that I love to run. Um but I'm glad this is hypothetical. <laughs> yes. <and> yes. <laughs> Cuz I just um I figure I'll be ultra runner and I'll just do pushups in my backyard or something, but but definitely you
1: you set up a little jungle gym and you'll be all set. You just do all the different hangs and pulls and pushes and, and uh, good to go. But yeah, you don't have to make the choice. So we're good.
0: No more competition. Yeah. No more competition for OCR. If I had to give up one
1: talking about the, the overall, and maybe this is kind of getting to the point of wrapping up today, but, um, the, the overall fitness benefits of doing the OCR, doing the Spartan type events, um, I'm a big believer in the value of strength training for runners, being kind of an athlete, being being a better athlete makes for better runners, I, I believe. Um, and so like, I, you know, I do, I, I have, it's kind of a, a running joke around some of the, the groups that I'm in or whatever, but like I, I, I do, a, I, I love coffee. And so I'll have my first cup of the coffee a day is, is free after that every cup of coffee requires at least five pull-ups on the pull-up bar in my office. So it's like, you know, it's kind of one of those things that I've, I've started to do. And, and I feel like, you know, kind of getting back to my question here, mm-hmm. that, that the overall strength makes me a better athlete, makes me a better runner. How do you, how do you feel that? And I'm going to assume that you do feel, if not, you can slap me and tell me that I'm, I'm way off base here, <laughs> but be, doing the Spartan events and the the overall strength gains that come from that and training for those, those events, how does that help you as a as a endurance runner as a, as an ultra runner?
0: Well, it's you know I think there's some difficulty in comparing myself to other runners who are not doing strength training, um, but I haven't had I haven't had an injury in part because I improved my running form um, since age thirty. I'm 34 or maybe a little bit before 30. So it's, it's, it's been going almost five years. Um, I, I do think there's an injury prevention aspect, but one of the bigger things that, um, if you think about when you're running, okay, what is saving your joints? It's your muscle. And there's going to be a certain amount of muscle fatigue that occurs when you're out there. Um, it may not be as noticeable for, for runners in their 20s and 30s. It, it may be 40s, 50s, 60s, but you're going to start to lose Um, certain types of muscle fibers as you age and it's really your ability i've seen some great triathletes and runners uh, who are older and they have a hard time doing some basic movements like think of a high step up you know, I'll watch them. We'll go on a hike. They'll do a high step up, and there's a lot of compensation. And what that does to your joints over time, I think, is a huge problem if you want to be running for any period of time. So, the biggest thing I can say, it's it's hard to see now, I'm th- because I'm 34, and a lot of the people that are beating me are are in their 40s or they're younger. Mm-hmm. But I I think if you just look at the sum of the research and also the runners that are still going and the ones and how often they're injured. It it, there's, it makes no logical sense that you would not want to do some, uh, some weightlifting. And I, and I should be a little more clear when you're doing weightlifting and certain types of training, you're going to get into muscle fibers that you're probably not using as much when you're doing your distance running. Mm -hmm. Um, maybe you hit them when you're hill training. Like if you're sprinting up a hill, you may be hitting those muscle fibers, but for the most part, you're going to lose those, lose those with age. And I I think that is one of your primary protectors of your joints. So, um, that, that's my best answer for that.
1: No, I, I, I totally agree. And it's, it's, um, I, I love hearing other people kind of say say differently but say some of the same things that, that I've tried to say over over the years because you know people start to tune me out a little bit but here here's a new voice saying something <laughs> saying it a little bit differently hoping it hopefully it'll it'll sink in a little bit so yeah
0: I I, I see hurt people every day you right. know and that's my advantage and I can ask them I can interview them so you're a runner do you lift weights no okay you know might, um might you know, do what that. do you do <laughs> um and then I can I get to test you know I look I get to look at their running form I get to look at their mobility and time and time again weaknesses. It's not good. Weak things are gonna break. Mm-hmm. They're just gonna break.
1: Yeah. And and you know, again, the 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 longer you go, the the faster you go, things like that. You put more stress and strain that wherever the weak link is, that's where it's gonna that's where it's gonna crop up and cause you a problem. So trying to address those beforehand, kind of getting back to a, another thing we talked about already. Preventative maintenance is a it's a it's a beautiful thing.
0: Yes, yeah, so it'll save you a lot of heartache and yes. probably money too.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um as we're as we're wrapping up, the last question I promise, Samantha, and then we'll we'll get out of here. Um I like to close with something that's kind of like the introductory question, very open-ended. I call it a philosophical question, but sometimes that scares people. So I maybe shouldn't you guys should change the, change the title because it's, it's really not that, uh, that much philosophizing, but, um, just curious that, you know, at this point you your like been running for, you know, 20, 20, years plus or minus at this point. Um, all kinds of of distances, different different uh, disciplines, different styles of of or different you know takes on the sport. Um, why do you keep going? It why why is running such an important part of your life, or, or what does running do for you that makes you you know want to keep getting up and getting out the door and getting after it on uh, on a regular basis?
0: Well, I think I think of myself as uh, because I started when I was fourteen. Um, there's it, it's well. I think of myself as I've developed into this person that I probably wouldn't be if I had never picked up running or or picked up any major physical activity. Um, so it it literally is who I am at this point. Um, I, I I think when I look at, okay, what is my brain used to? What is my body used to? Um, it's for better or worse, it's, it's, it's sort of so much what my body is used to that I literally, I mean, when I stop, i you know, I, my, my body hurts. (laughs) So the, the, to a degree, the more I run, the better my body feels. Um, but just in terms of sort of looking at, you know, lifespan, my, my goal is just to, to continue running. And so what that means is doing lots of other things. You know, if I If I were were in a car accident or something tomorrow and I could never run again, I would be completely fine. I would be happy. I would miss running, but I would find other things. So that's not to say that um, running should be everyone's identity and and the most important part of their identity. Um, But the other side of that is I I just see running as sort of a celebration of life because um, I I wrote before Leadville – on some social media, I was sort of, you know, trying to get in that state of gratitude. And I was thinking about how, um, it it doesn't matter how good you are or how slow you are, how, how long your running career is, you know, everyone's going to have a final run and everyone is going to have to say goodbye to the sport of running at some point. So I kind of look at it as every day I can get out and run is, um, is sort of a victory. And, it's just something I'm super grateful for. It just feels good. It makes me feel alive and uh, it, and you get to share in this great community. So it's a that's a really long answer, but nice. <laughs> um, it's it's a special it's a special thing that I just I want everyone to appreciate it for what it is.
1: Yeah, it's 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 might be a little bit of a long answer, but it was a, it was a great answer, and and I think I'm, I'm sitting here nodding my head, and I'm I'm sure that folks that are listening are, are nodding their head as well. So uh, love it, and and as usual, that's that's why I kind of save those questions for last. It's a great way to just wrap up and and call it a day. So uh, once again, guys, at Wood Ultra is the handle on Instagram. Uh, Dizruns.com/slash seven seven eight is the link back to the show notes. If there's anything that you missed, you want references to, um, that's where they'll be. Dizruns.com/slash seven seven eight. So uh, Samantha, thank you for uh, for taking the time today. Thanks for thanks for the service to the country. Certainly appreciate that. Um and uh certainly just wish you nothing but uh nothing but the best going forward. Looking forward to uh to staying in touch hopefully and uh and just seeing how things progress for you. But uh again thanks for the time today and, and really appreciate it.
0: Thanks Denny best use well.
1: Alright guys thank you for taking the time to listen to today's episode of the show. I hope you enjoyed the conversation between Samantha and myself and as always be curious to know what stood out to you from today's episode. What was something that we talked about that really kind of stuck with you or made you think a little bit um, or gave you a different, a different viewpoint than you had maybe never considered before. Um, For me, no surprise talking about injury prevention, barefoot running, you know, ultra foot shaped zero drop equally cushioned um, whatever you want to talk about, you know, those types of things. No, no surprise that that's where my takeaway is going to come from. But, when, when Samantha talked about or, or mentioned the idea of having mastery over our bodies and, um, you know, the idea of, of working your feet and, and fostering those connections. She gave the example of like your dominant hand versus your non-dominant hand and how awkward it is to try to do maybe some of those fine motor skills that you do with your, with your dominant hand. If you, if you had an injury, if you had something that, that, took that hand out of commission for a while and you had to try to brush your teeth or sign your name or you know whatever those types of of things with with the hand that you're not used to doing it feels pretty clunky it feels pretty difficult but if you were stuck in that situation for six weeks eight weeks whatever the case might be your your other hand would start to figure it out and while it may not be a complete apples to apples comparison the idea that that if you're wearing shoes all the time no matter what kind of shoes they are you know shoes that are, are good for your feet shoes that maybe are a bit uh, more questionable about whether they they help you and, and uh, you know are, are good for your your health as a runner um, but if you're if your feet are in shoes all the time that that dexterity that um, responsivity that that our feet do have you know like like Samantha said there's a lot of nerve endings in your feet Um And it's not just, you know, like kind of Eastern medicine has a lot of, of talks about meridians in your feet, but Western medicine has a lot of, of science that that shows it too. So whichever side of that coin you're on, if you're more kind of in the middle, like I am kind of functional medicine and see some value in both sides of things, either way, there's, there's no question that our feet have a lot of, of things going on down there and we take it for granted. But when we're in shoes all the time. Just like anything that you don't use all the time, it starts to it starts to maybe not decompose, but it, it certainly isn't on high alert. It isn't at the ready, so that when you do have unstable footing, or when you when you do you know when you're at the beach and you're chasing after after your kids or whatever the case might be, those muscles, those tendons, those ligaments, those joints aren't as as ready to go as they would be if you get out of your shoes once in a while, whether that means you're running out of your shoes, or that means you're just walking around the house without your shoes on, whatever the, that, that feedback loop from our, from our brains to our feet as, as humans, but certainly as runners kind of important, kind of valuable. And if we always have a barrier between our feet and the surfaces that we're, that we're standing on, that we're walking on, that feedback loop is compromised a little bit. And I think from a performance standpoint, I think that from an injury prevention standpoint, I think that me personally, it's an area that I can improve upon. Um, I dabbled in it a little bit, but kind of have gotten off of the, just a short, quick little run a couple times a week barefoot. Um, I do wear flip-flops all the time and I try to take them off a lot during the day. So I do get some walking around barefoot time, but I don't, I don't get the running barefoot very often. Um, and maybe that's something that I need to do a bit more of. Maybe you just need to start walking around more barefoot. But I think that the more we can be barefoot, the more we can um, foster those connections, the more we can take mastery of our bodies. I think that's going to help us. I think it's going to help our performance. It's going to help us stay healthy. I think it's going to help our longevity. You know, I I think most of you guys that listen would kind of like to be like me and and keep running until the day they put us in the ground, right? Um, As much as you can, as long as you can. And that starts now. It starts now when you're in your 30s or your 40s or your 50s. If you want to keep running into your 60s and your 70s and your 80s, Got to take care of that stuff now. So long-winded takeaway, but something that obviously you, you know if you've been listening for a while, you know I'm passionate about injury prevention. You know I'm passionate about taking care of yourself. And so when uh, talking with Samantha, could have kept going on that subject all day. But uh, may, who knows? Maybe we'll have her come back and we'll talk some more about it because I, I could keep going. I could certainly keep going. Um, I could keep going with this takeaway. But I will wrap it up right now and ask you to share your takeaways. What stood out to you from this episode? As always, I would love to hear that. I'm at DizRuns on Twitter. I'm at DizRuns on Instagram. You can always slide into the DMs on either of those places and uh, let me know what you think. Let me know what your thoughts were, takeaways were. Um, if you've tried barefoot running, I would love to hear that as well. You can also shoot me an email, Diz at gmail.com. And of course, you can head over to the show notes for today's episode, which you can find at disruns.com slash 778. And uh, we got photos there. We got links. We got all the things. Disruns.com com slash 778. And you can leave your feedback and takeaways and comments in the comment section. That's what it's there for. Literally, it's, it's the comment section asking people to leave their comments so if you got if you got feedback on this episode and you want to send it there you can send it there for not only me to see but for all to see which is kind of cool as well so with that we will go ahead and wrap this one up hope you enjoyed it if you did tell a friend and uh whether you did or not if you haven't gotten yourself in the giveaway giveaway yet for a free training plan you got to be in it to win it y'all so uh, get yourself in head head over to disruns.com slash giveaway takes about two seconds to get signed up. Um, And uh, hopefully you'll learn a few things from the emails that I send some of the blog blog posty type of emails, since I don't really do blog posting on the the website. Um, You can check that out. dot com slash giveaway. And uh, once you're in, you're in, you don't have to re enter every month. So once you're in, you're in as long as you, as long as you keep, uh, you know, as long as you want to be in it, I guess until you, until you win, the odds will never be better than they are right now. So check it out. dot com slash giveaway. And, with that go ahead and pull this ship into harbor uh thanks y'all for listening thanks y'all for sharing thanks for all of the ways that you support the show Um, continuing to always look for ways to support y'all so if you have questions comments suggestions things that i can do to improve the show things that i can do to help you out you specifically or maybe you know something that you might think i could i could do that would help a bunch of people let me know i'm always up for those those options as well and until next time be well take care and we'll talk again soon Take care, guys.